Dynasty Kings, football by the numbers. Ain't nothing prehistoric about it. It's the fantasy land before time, man. You did. And we talking about them analytics. Yeah, I dig it. You know them digits, we fit it inside of cells. But thinking outside of the box when we did it, outside prevails. We got eight inside of the box, but we finished plenty to tell. So go ahead and plug in a pot and just listen. It's the Dino Sting. Velociraptors, it takes okay. dilapidated no way. Nope. Man, it's a rap, no debate. Hey. Breaking it down with a dynasty. Yeah. Often reside with a pylons beam. Yeah. Often we talking about dynasty. Yeah. Rocking with me at the times you'll see. Yeah. Out of the pocket online on me. Too much subjective is not for me. It's not for me. I'm rocking with the dynasty. Yeah. Dynasty. Locking the lineup and I don't need. Filming the fables cause finally I got all the facts. No anomaly. Yeah. Let's get it. Y'all reach his T-Rex at best. And I don't mean to go flex. I'm a dinosaurus to death. Yeah. Look, if you dino, you know. Welcome to the Dynasty Kings Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and Mike, let's ride. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Kings. I'm your host at FF underscore Dirty Mike. My name's just Mike. You guys can find me at Campus to Kin. Haven't done a lot of work with them yet. Not yet. I mean, lately. Um, First off, I want to give a quick apology. We've done this twice now in a row, so I'm very sorry about giving too many apologies out here. Um, Jake's been sick. I, myself, I'm transitioning out of the Army. If you guys haven't known, I'm in the Army, so wearing my, my work shirt here. Um, and uh, just got a new job, super hyped about it, just bought a house, very nervous about that, but also very excited. Um, so it's been a very busy personal week for me. Plus, I don't really enjoy talking football by myself. Not that I don't mind it once in a while, but, you know, Nobody wants to sit in a room by themselves and just talk to themselves. So without further ado, let's get into it. So we're here to talk about late breakouts, free agents, and some buys and sells. Now, I'm going to talk about late breakouts here. This is a very quick topic. Um, every year we see about one late breakout from like, uh, let's see, um, last year was Corey Davis. We had Devontae Parker. Um, we had Brashad Perryman there. Like These guys carry you to championships. They're on your waiver wire probably, or you got them cheap in the draft. Um, and also with rookies, you got late breakouts. Um, A.J. Brown was a late breakout his year. Um, you got Elijah Moore right now breaking out. Um, anyway, to talk about this, we just want to talk about the analytical trends of late breakouts. Now, seven of the last late breakouts have been from top 50 draft prospects. So um, just for example, Devontae Parker, first-round draft pick. Like, sure, it didn't work out the first couple of years, but, you know, had one year of, of excellence. Um, Corey Davis was a very early first-round draft pick. Didn't really, you know, wasn't wasn't what he was advertised to be, but he broke out last year at the end. Um, so just, again, um, Elijah Moore, right? You think it was picked 35 overall, somewhere around there. Um, AJB. Anyway, the point is that that's – if you're going to bet on someone being a late breakout – you should bet on the guys that were a top 50 overall pick and that should be who you're betting on. Now I don't really have any candidates to throw out there for that. Uh, I'm just saying that that's, that's where your eyes need to be. Um, Mike Williams too. I mean, like when we'll talk about Mike Williams in a little bit here, but that's the trend for late breakouts. So don't, don't bet on your third round guy or your fourth round pick being a late breakout. It's not happening. It's just not. So, if you're going to bet on somebody, you want to roll the dice on somebody, that's who you roll your dice on. 
and and if you see that trend happening, like you see um, and something about like a first, like, I don't know. If you see someone like breaking out, and you're not like you're a little skeptical about, it, like you're like, oh, I don't, I might just been a one game thing. I'm not like sold, and they're a top fifty pick. Go ahead and stash them and put them on your bench because they go out two weeks in a row. You're gonna want to start. You're gonna want to start starting them. You're gonna want to put them in your lineup. And it's gonna win you some weeks. You know, that's that's the trend. And I just had to point out that trend to you guys. It's something that I recently realized, and that's my bit on late breakouts. Now. For free agents, we're coming up on the part of the season where teams are re-signing their players. Um, we just saw Tim Patrick get signed to a huge deal. And I think I like instantly tweeted out, I think I tweeted out last week actually, that the Broncos shouldn't re-sign Corlin Sutton. I mean, let's be real. Tim, Tim Patrick is the exact same style receiver. And he's he's the one getting the target. He's the one getting the looks. I'm not doubting Corlin Sutton's skill. I'm just saying that it would be a waste of money on the franchise to keep Corlin Sutton around. And they can put that money in some other good use somewhere else, like maybe a new quarterback, you know. Um, and then they went out and re-signed Cortland Sutton, like, like you know, the next day. So, and we'll talk about that too in a little bit. But but free agents do reshape teams. You know, the Patriots had no wide receiver core, and then all of a sudden this year they have a they have a very interesting wide receiver core, but definitely an improvement, one hundred percent. And sometimes there's just too many mouths to feed. There's just not enough not enough of the pie to go around. And, and that ruins the value of other players, you know, running backs by committee, for example, you have one stud, you have Melvin Gordon, he's a stud. And then they drafted uh, Javante Williams, which then ruins Melvin Gordon's overall value because now they're splitting carries the whole year. And Melvin Gordon has been a, a pleasant, a pleasant success, honestly, like the whole year, like he's, he's done better than most people thought he would do. Um, I couldn't tell you what he is right now for PPR, but actually I can't, let me just tell you right now. But, um, yeah, so so these these free agents will reshape. Oh, it's RB twenty. Yeah, that makes sense. Back in RB two, and he's splitting carries with with Javante Williams. I mean, his last three games in a row: fifty seven percent of snaps, fifty three percent of snaps, forty three percent of snaps. He's turning downward, but I mean, he's been pretty consistent. He's been pretty solid. Anyway, back on topic here. These free agents reshape teams. So uh, when you're doing these last minute trades, so if you're a re, you're a rebuilding team. We're going to talk about buys that I like for players to improve on next year, right? So they're still like their value's not here this year, but I fully believe in them next year. Um, and yeah, so I, you want to get ahead of the curve there, trade away your old veterans and stuff like that. You don't want to buy D Hop. I mean, like D Hop's good, hundred percent. Been injured. I don't. I don't. Um, I'm not out on D Hop. I just I think the better days are now behind him. You know, that's all there is. I mean, look at the fall of of uh, Julio Jones. Like, I, I don't know what he's worth anymore. Maybe a third. He's not worth a second. He's not even on the field. And the best ability is availability, right? You, you can't play because you're always hurt. Like, how are you going to be good to my team? Will Fuller, super skilled. Hasn't played, like, I don't think he's played a full game this year. It's not that I don't believe in the talent. I just don't believe in his body to stay healthy. So, Again, free agents, it's good to keep track of contracts because you can change, like focus on how the landscape of a team is going to change soon. The Buccaneers, they're, they're a fancy gold mine, right? I think Leonard Fournette is due for a contract. Tim Tom Brady's got one more year. Uh, Chris Godwin's a free agent this year. Antonio Brown is definitely gone after this year. So, like, it's just what, going to be Tom Brady and Gronk for one more year, and then you got Mike Evans? You know, like, that's it. And then Godwin's gonna go somewhere else. And maybe and what if what if Godwin goes to uh the Eagles? 
I mean, Jalen Hurts isn't isn't throwing the ball nearly enough to keep more than just Devontae Smith relevant. Not that not that those other guys are skilled, but you get what I'm saying. It's a small pie. They all can't eat from it. It ruins the value of some players and and then super talented players cannibalize each other because they both can't be on the field at the same time. Like the two tight ends and the Patriots. Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry. I mean, obviously Hunter Henry is now the most valuable tight end on that roster, but you know, obviously neither one of those guys were the hype they were like a year ago, two years ago. They weren't, they're just they don't have the same value anymore. Their value is going down. And they're on the same team now for three years. So good luck. Good luck trying to get them off your roster or trying to upgrade. So let's 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 get right into buys and let me get my notes out here. My first dynasty buy is Elijah Moore, rookie sensation. He is, I want to, I really want to say he's wide receiver one over the last four weeks. If not, he's guaranteed top five. So, and I understand the concern. Let me pull up his stats here. So his last four weeks now for his breakout, um, snap share. Now I'm just going to go off snap share. 36% snap share, right? Nothing special. We're not about it. Um, went six for 67. That's 13.1 uh, fantasy points. Like, sure. Okay, but then he goes up to 60% snap share, then 56, and now 67 this past week. And I was watching their first drive this past weekend, and he wasn't on the field for that red zone. And I was a little like, I was like, you know, I thought maybe maybe the breakout was was a little bit false because of that, because I actually really was concerned. I was like, oh, it's going to be a bad name for Elijah Moore. But then they started playing the rest of the game, and he absolutely just tore it up. And And what's crazy is that, like if you look at his size, his profile from college, like sure he's supposed to be a slot guy, and that's not true at all. He he has been primarily lined up in the X this whole season. Um, I got the numbers here right now. He is wi- lined up outside seventy two point six percent of snaps. He's five foot ten. He's five foot nine and a half, but you know five foot ten, and that's crazy because he can get separation. He is the real deal. He is the real deal. He's what he was advertised all season to be, and we're currently in the middle of his breakout. So his value really hasn't caught up to him. And now the main concern, which is my concern too, because I preach situation a lot, um, is that he hasn't done it with Zach Wilson. But on the other hand, you can look at it and be like, well, he did it with Mike White. He did it with uh, Tony Johnson. Sorry. No, John Johnson. Excuse me. John Johnson, and he did it with Joe Flacco, three quarterbacks who are widely considered in the league washed. I mean, I don't even know who the first two guys were. Obviously, I know who Joe Flacco is. I think he's underrated, but, you know, we can talk about that some other time. But, um, yeah, I mean, this guy was doing it with garbage QBs. And everyone's like, well, what's wrong with Zach Wilson? Why, why are these other washed-up quarterbacks being successful when Zach Wilson can't be? It's because I think Zach Wilson's mindset is still college. He's trying to sling the ball and play ball the way he did at BYU, and he's not transitioning well. And I think him watching these other quarterbacks be successful is now clicking in his head. I think it really is. I really do. We'll, we'll find out. We got seven more weeks, six more weeks of football, and I, I think uh, I think they're going to click. I think he's going to realize it. I hope to see a transition in his play. I, I believe that he can do it. I believe in the coaching staff. He's young. I'm not out on him yet. I just think he's he's looking for that deep bomb like he always did at BYU. And BYU is still playing that way, by the way. But anyway, so Elijah Moore is my buy this week. And, and like, it's hard. Like, I got I asked myself because I Elijah Moore was my wide receiver, too, in the pre and post draft. All about Elijah Moore. I asked myself, would I trade Elijah Moore for Chris Godwin? 
that's hard. Like I don't my initial like my initial thought is no. I wouldn't. And that and, and like you also have to like bring yourself down and just ask yourself, do I have rookie fever? Am I am I too too focused in about the rookies? Because everyone loves rookies, you know what I'm saying? Everyone everyone wants the, the new guys on the block. So anyway, I like Elijah Moore. He's wide receiver, he's a wide receiver one guaranteed these last four weeks. He gets Zach Wilson back. Zach Wilson comes back during a Houston game. So it's nice little light transition period. Like, like God, God forbid Zach Wilson plays like garbage against Houston. Like I, I would blow my mind. I mean, I, Twitter would be in an uproar. But Elijah Moore is, is my number one buy. If I can get him in Dynasty anywhere, like he is the guy that I want to focus on as far as a wide receiver goes. Because Jamar Chase, price is through the roof. Devontae Smith, his price is through the roof. But Elijah Moore, I think his price is, is still reasonable right now. Like he, he he can be a wide receiver too. I tweeted out pre-draft that he can be a wide receiver too for the next eight years. For the next eight years. And right now, I mean, he didn't play. Let's see. He played – He. His breakout has really been happening since week seven. I mean, I don't know what I'm to call week. Let's just call it week eight. Week eight to week 11 has been a real breakout. And he's currently PPR wide receiver 38. 38 after like four weeks of actual value and the other like seven weeks of just nothing because he really didn't do anything at all. So I'm going to move on. JT. JT just ripped off for five touchdowns in one game. Uh, he's breaking Lutanian Thomason's like uh, 100-yard, like scrimmage yard record for consecutive games and stuff like that. And it's clear to me now that I think the Colts are rolling into an offense that just feeds through JT, which eats into Carson Wentz values. So, you know, that sucks because Carson Wentz, I really, I really believe in his, his coming back. I still believe in it. I think it's these quarterbacks for the future. Um, it also hurts Michael Pittman's value too. But anyway, and in a few leagues, I put out some offers for JT where I, I included all three of my future firsts. They're not early firsts. Like, so you have to you have to like realize that they're not really first. And I have young running backs on that roster already. You know, I have a I have an Antonio Gibson on one roster. I have a DeAndre Swift on another roster. So so I, I am I am putting in the final piece to my team that I think will just be an actual juggernaut for years to come because I already have everything else set up. I just need that RB two, which is actually really an RB one because JT is the dynasty RB one. So I'm trying to put out the ridiculous ludicrous offers for him. You know, I'm throwing in old vets like D-Hop and, and Melvin Gordon. You know, I'm throwing in those guys and some of those offers, too, because it's just like I don't think, think they have much value after this year or the next year. So, anyway, I know it's a no-brainer, JT. Go out and get JT. But I'm, I'm telling you, go ahead and throw out that ridiculous offer. If you, if you have, like, that middle-of-the-road roster, that that 5-5 five and five team, you know, you're in the middle of the road, throw out that ridiculous offer. So, you're rebuilding? Probably not. But if you are in the middle of the road team, absolutely throw out that ridiculous offer for JT. All right, let's move on to my number two is Debo Samuel. He's healthy now. And it's very clear that the offense runs through him. I mean, it's very clear. Uh, Elijah Moore gets hurt. Or Elijah, Elijah Moore, sorry. Elijah Mitchell gets hurt. And Debo gets like eight carries this past game. Like he gets one target or two targets, one catch this past week. But the offense still rolls through him one way or another. Somehow the offense goes through him. Uh, and, um, yeah, so I like Debo. I, I I believe in him for the future. There's always one or two guys that has a, a career that starts off super injury, and and that was Debo. Debo's always hurt in high school. That was part of his profile for college, and then he went to college, and that was his part of profile for college where he was always hurt. 
and now he's in the NFL and he was hurt the first two years. He is a broken record, but this year he is now healthy. He's putting it together and he could be that guy that was just started off rough. You know, Frank Gore started off with two ACL tears. I think Adrian Peterson started off similar way. I know Julio Jones started off that way, but Debo is the real deal. He's a real deal. His, his ADOT is super low. Like he's, he's a yak monster. He can make it happen. And he, he can be used any way he wants. And the running back in the backfield, like, I mean, he, he looked better than Jeff Wilson in the backfield. I'm kind of a Jeff Wilson fan, so that sucks. But I'm going to be honest with you, like, Debo Sam was doing it all. Now, here's here's a player that I think you'll, you'll have to pay up for Debo. But here's a player. If, sorry. <clears throat> if you're going to trade for Debo, go ahead and try to sell the whole injury story. Like, absolutely. Get yourself a little bit of a discount if you can. But Debo is getting this, getting this stuff done with – Jimmy G is a quarterback. Um, now, this next guy, I like for next year, right? And I think his price is low right now, but that's Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz is is a is a phenomenal running back. And um, running back, my bad, excuse me, tight end. He is PPR tight end number nine on the season right now. Now, Dak has him been playing well, right? He played this past week with Dak, who was just doing terrible. If you watch that Chiefs, Dallas game. I'm sorry, but he still caught six of his eight targets for 53 yards and for 14.3 fantasy points. All right. That's like tight end premium, but he's PPR tight end nine. So I, I think Schultz is going to be a tight end one the rest of his career. He's young. He's young. He's tied to Dak. Michael Gallup is gone next year. And, and, and the question that we won't get answered for a couple weeks here, and this is where you're going to have to roll the dice on is that when all these guys are healthy, including Michael Gallup, is what is Dalton Schultz's target share? Because we haven't seen Dalton Schultz and Michael Gallup on the same field since like week one or two when Blake Jarwin was still a thing for a little bit. So, and and now Amari and CD are going to be out. They're out this past game. They're out the next game. So we have to wait and see until all four of these guys are on the same field. And if Dalton Schultz still gets this massive target share, you need to buy in. Like, this guy is going to be the next, you know, top five tight end. And I, I, I truly believe that. I'm like throwing out Gronk out there who's been killing it. He looked great last night. But Gronk is 31. He has some injury concerns. Dalton Schultz, 25. No injury concerns. You know? And, and, and he's a great size. He's six foot five. Like that's a great size for a tight end. It really is. You don't see a six foot three tight ends being fancy relevant. These guys wait up a little bit, but it's whatever. I want my tight ends to pass to catch passes. I don't really need them to block. So he's not the greatest blocker, but you know, I don't need that. That's not for fantasy. So Dolan Schultz is somebody who I want to add on my roster for the next year. Because elite tight ends are hard to find. And, and that's that's who I think is going to get their name back up there. Like that's that's who I think is going to be the next top five tight end next year. It could be this year too. There's still plenty of games to play. Now, Javante Williams is the other one. Everyone's preaching get Javante Williams. I am still preaching that too. Um, he's been phenomenal. Uh, I and I this twenty three class that's super coveted. I would trade Antonio Gibson straight up for him. I would trade anybody that's not DeAndre Swift or JT straight up for Javante Williams. I really do think he's an RB one next year on a high powered offense. Like they just need a quarterback. They have all the pieces to be a complete team. And when Melvin Gordon's gone and Javante Williams gets like 20% more of the like rushing share, not rushing share, sorry, snap count share, I 
those, those extra five to 10 touches each game, he's going to be a monster. He's going to be an RB1. I, I, right now, I'm telling you my preseason rankings for next year, he'll, he's probably going to be inside the top 12. Like, absolutely. I, I can probably guarantee it. Jonathan Williams will be in there. So go ahead and get Jonathan Williams. Pay up for him. If you can't get, if you're a middle of the road team and you know you can't get one of these running backs coming out next year because they're going to get drafted before you, pay up. Pay up and get them now. Like these back end first. Go ahead and get them. Uh, my next buy is going to be. I'm going to put these two together. I'm going to put uh, Waddle and Ninko Collins together. Now, I'm going to focus on Ninko Collins because Waddle's a little bit obvious. I mean, he's a rookie. Obviously, go get him. But Matt Harmons, who does phenomenal work for wide receivers, by the way, I, I, I truly think Matt Harmon is a pioneer in wide receiver analysis. Um, and his reception perception models are very, very um, accurate in predicting future success. Now, he came out this past week. Now I'm giving you information on the pay for because the pay for stuff and it's kind of expensive in my opinion, but he came out with his mid-season rookie report. Now I'm also going to share some duds with you here with the cells, which I'll transition into after I tell you the good news and the bias. Right. So, uh, talking about player success rate versus coverage and versus man, the top three rookies against man coverage. As these guys are over, but I'm just going to go down the list. Elijah is going to be. Rashad Bateman, who's number one at 77.9%. He is that successful against man coverage. Elijah Moore, lining up outside, the little man Elijah Moore, is 77% successful against man coverage. And then Devontae Smith is 75% successful against man coverage. Like, these are ridiculous numbers. Like These guys are going to be star-studded guys for the next years to come. Now, if we look over at zone, also a very important coverage, right? Because most the only two teams that run man coverage over 50%, this is now last year, so I don't know about this year, but last year, was the Patriots and the Saints. That is it. That is the only teams that would run more man coverage than they would zone. Teams are transitioning to the zone coverage. The Patriots lost Stephon Gilmore, so I, I I don't think they're doing man coverage like that anymore. And I'm not really sure. I mean, the Saints got Marshawn Lattimore, so they might still be doing that. But anyway, regardless, the NFL is transitioning to zone coverage. That That is, that is the trend now. So – Success rate against zone coverage. Number one is your man, Devontae Smith, with an 88% success rate. Then his number two is going to be Rashad Bateman at 85.5. And then number three is going to be Elijah Moore at 82.8. Now, I'm just going to go to Nico Collins. Nico Collins is putting up a 70.4% success rate against man coverage. He, he is he's getting there. Like, he's there, right? And then his success rate versus zone is like 78%. So he, he is he is successful on the outside. Now I get it. Brandon cooks is there. So he's not getting the top competition for corner coverage. Like definitely that should go into your thought process. 100%. I'm just saying that the Texans are going to get a new quarterback next year. Like that's guaranteed Like they have to draft one. Like there's no way they're re-signing Tyrod Taylor and they're rolling out Davis mills again. I'm just thinking that Nico Collins is a, is a nice buy low right now. I mean, he hasn't come out and then let me just see his stats currently. Um, oh, I had it pulled up. Give me one second. Okay, so his last three weeks on the field, he's had 64, 70, and 59% snap rate. Now, the targets are not there, so I get it. I get it. They're not there. They're four, three, and two. Like, that's his three last three games of targets. They're actually going down. Actually, they're going down in perfect order six, five, four, three, two. So, anyway, um, He's an XY receiver and he is operating really well in the XY receiver spot. And that's 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 why I want to point out. He's being successful. They just don't have a quarterback to really absolutely like operate out there. 
Um, and uh, yeah, he, he's, he's a stash piece is what he is. And I think in rookie drafts, people probably paid a late second, early third for him. And for those guys that paid an early third for him, if you want to pay a second, and you can even wait during your rookie drafts, but if you want to pay a second or maybe like a third and a fourth for him, whatever, I, I think some people might do that because they might not be paying attention to Nico Collins on the field. And he's a stash pick. I mean, like how many fourth round picks are like studs? It's not much, like honestly. Um, yeah, now I'm going to roll right into my cells. These are the rookies, like the rookie that I want to sell is Terrence Marshall. I don't think Jake would want to hear these, these words out of my mouth, but Terrence Marshall has been an absolute flop and, and he's terrible. He has been a disappointment. According to this like recession perception charts, he is 43% success rate versus man. Um, and then he is like well below the threshold for that league average at 70% against zone. And he's only lining up in the slot. Now I talked last episode, so not last week, but last episode about pure slot receivers being fantasy relevant. And there's like four, five, that's it. I'm talking about like after five, these guys are like Danny Amendola. Like who wants that? You know what I'm saying? So, and, and Russell Gage. So these guys that only run out of the, only run out of the slot, you don't want them. And that's what Terrence Marshall is. He's a, he's playing the big slot right now. And Robbie Anderson has a few contract for the future. They have to re-sign DJ Moore. I, I don't believe DJ Moore does not get signed out there, but Terrence Marshall has not, been separating himself out from um, from NFL corners. And he's currently sitting at the third receiving option. Well, fourth, because you yeah, got Christian McCaffrey. So, and yeah, I, I want to get out from Terrence Marshall before the league wakes up and realizes that he's so far been a bust. Sure, the targets aren't there. He's not catching balls. I get it. But according to the routes run and his success rate on these routes, he's a bust so far. So, yeah, get out while you can. And that's, that's my advice for the, uh, my first sell there, rolling to the rookies. Um, my other sell is Amarasi Brown. I mentioned this preseason, so it's really nothing's changed here. He's not doing bad according to this data. I mean, he's a fourth-round rookie. Um, nothing's stopping Detroit from drafting a real, a real wide receiver next year. And that might help Amara because – he actually has some double coverage stats on here. Like he he has been doubled up. He has been um he's been focused by Jalen Ramsey in the Rams game. And I mean it's a fourth round rookie. You're asking a lot out of him, but he got shut down by one of the top corners in the league. So you're not really feeling good about him being a stud in the future. You know, I'm not saying he can't be a guy, he can't be a a, a stops, a spot start. I'm just saying that he's not gonna be a stud. And if somebody wants to give you a second form. You should take that. You should absolutely take that. If, you're, you, if someone offers you a third, you don't want that. You want to sit on them. It's an early third, maybe. But if you want to, sit, but if, if you do want to sit on them because you don't want to give up uh, Amarasing Brown for a, a third, I, I can totally get that because I, I I believed in him. I absolutely believed in him the off season. Um, there's just still not enough data out there. Even Matt Harmon says there's not data out there yet for Amarasing Brown, but. As of right now, let me look at him. Yeah, he is right across the board and success rate in every single area. So he's below the league average and everything. And again, that's a weak wide receiver core. So he's a rookie going up against the top corner coverage. Um, so I can't I can't blame him. I can't blame him for not being successful yet. But um, you know, these other rookies are are popping off. So I'm just gonna move on now. My my other cells here, and I'm gonna need some running backs here. It's Miles Gaskin. Same reason as Amara St. Brown here. There is no reason 
for the Miami Dolphins not to draft a court a running back next year. We saw uh, the Steelers draft Javante, not Javante, Najee Harris this past year, and and they got like uh, prosecuted online for how bad their offensive line is, which they are. The Miami offensive line is the worst offensive line in football right now. They're the worst. They have three players right now. This is this is old information, so it's not including week eleven. This is more week ten information. They have three players allowing the most pressures in the NFL. All three, just just the three worst. Not one guy, but all like three other starting five are allowing the third most pressure in the league. And Miles Gaston is a small guy. I mean, he's like what two hundred pounds, I think. Uh, he's not he's not a pile mover. So when he gets caught in the backfield, like that's it. He gets caught. He's not breaking tackles. He's not that type of player. And sure, he has some great weeks for PPR. And I think you need to capitalize on that. Like a running back position is always scarce every year. And if you're not a contender, you need to sell him. You need to sell him. You can easily get a second form. You, I think you should shoot a little higher than a second. Obviously, like don't be afraid to ask for a little more at the start. Like you're trying to hand somebody a championship. So like way ahead. And then uh, my next one is Devontae Smith. Well, actually – I'll loop these three together. Devontae Smith, Darrell Henderson, and Cordero Patterson. These three running backs are all operating at a pretty high level. Like, I think they're solid RB2s. Now, Devontae Smith, the last four weeks. Devontae Freeman, the last four weeks. Devontae Freeman, now the running back for the Ravens, has been RB21 the last four weeks. He's having a weird streak like last year's Jarek McKinnon, who had like four weeks of 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 really nice flex numbers and Wayne Gallman who had six or seven weeks of of solid flex numbers and was an RB2. It's this year it's Devontae Freeman who's having solid flex numbers. He's an old man and JK Dobbins comes back next year. Get rid of Devontae Freeman. Like sell him. If you're not a contender, sell him. Darrell Henderson, same thing. CPAT is the same thing too. He's on one year contract. He's 32 years old. I, I don't I don't understand his success. I really don't I just don't see it prolonging. I don't see it going on like into the future. So, yeah. And and now to talk about Darrell Dur- Henderson, the the whole the whole uh, fantasy Twitter um, was well, all about you got to sell Cam Akers in the offseason because he tore his Achilles and all the data out there with Achilles injury running backs are terrible. Like those guys just don't come back. They're not the same. And sure, like let's run with that narrative. Let's say that Cam Akers comes back and he's terrible. He's still going to get those touches. He's still going to get those opportunities, and he's going to take those opportunities away from Darrell Henderson. Like he's still going to get those touches, right? So, to me, Darrell Henderson's value will never be this high again. He's not a free agent after this year. It's one more year. So you got two years until you want to roll the dice that he gets a second contract somewhere and he's a starting running back somewhere, which is rare. It's rare. It's rare that somebody gets that second contract and they are the lone starter somewhere the way he is right now because he is the lone workhorse. Now, I want to talk to you about a trend. The last three weeks, we've seen an uptick in uh, carries for Sonny Michelle. So he, he's 30, 40, and 25, right? So he's he's taking nine, seven, and four, car- four carries away. Four carries the last three weeks. Sonny Michelle seems to be getting a little bit more involved each game and getting a little bit more in the targets too, because his last weeks are two, three, and two for targets. The last, uh, the first, sorry, seven weeks combined, Sony saw a total of five targets. Now in the last three weeks, he's seen seven. 
So Sony Michelle is, is getting out there more. Um, and I'm not super concerned about him getting more involved because the snaps really aren't going up. They're kind of staying. I mean, 40 is the most, second most he's had all year because Thrawn missed week three. But, yeah, anyway. So I'm not really concerned about Thrawn Henderson. But it, it's, time, it's, it's time to sell him. If, if, you, if you have him as a handcuff, like you have Cam Akers on your team, then sure, yeah, he has value for you. I just don't believe that Darrell Henderson's value carries on to the next year. I mean, I mean, he's at peak value right now. You got to keep him for a handcuff. I totally understand. That's fine. That's cool. But he's still putting out RB2 numbers. So sell him as an RB2. I'm going to sell him as a weekly RB2 to a contender. I mean, I, I think you should absolutely get like a first form. I really do. You're trying to hand somebody like that championship and you're handing them a running back that that's putting up what is he? He's RB14 for PPR. RB14 for PPR. A little, little bit disappointing lately, like sure. He's been a little banged up. Um, but sell him. Sell him. Sell him while you can. My other ones now are going to be um, Mike Williams. Some hype there right in the, in the offseason. He just had another big game this past week. I think it's time to sell him again. His contract's up this year. Um, they declined to sign him to the fifth-year option. Doesn't mean they can't sign him again this offseason. I'm just saying that the hype has been false again this year. Every single year, he'll have a string of like three or four games where he's a PPR, wide receiver one. You know, he, he's, a, he's a top guy just to start getting hurt. And once once that news breaks out that he's starting to get hurt, he's awful. And that's, that's exactly what happened here. He's, he started to get hurt, and uh, – He's terrible. He's terrible. So, um, oh, excuse me. I'm trying to pull up his numbers recently. Okay, so three of his first four games, right? 22.1, 36.2, 39.5. That's three of his first four. Now, since then, he's had – I'm just going to round up. Four point, he's, he's had five, four, eight, seven. And then he had 20.7 the other night. And it was all in garbage time. He, he wasn't involved in all until, like, the final drive. So, I, I, I don't believe it. I mean, he's still PPR. Why is he 15? Like, sell him. Sell him. Please, God, sell him. If someone really believes out there that he's come back and they want to give you a first or whatever, take it. I, 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 think, I don't think he's beating the narrative that he's good until he starts getting hurt. And he gets hurt every, every year. Every year he gets hurt. Um, D-Hop. D-Hop's my next one here. He's just getting old. I don't think this is the decline. No, I, I'm sorry. I do think this is the, the decline. If you have him as a contender, then, yeah, you absolutely need him. So go ahead and sit on him for a minute. But uh, he's just not the guy he used to be. He doesn't have a single 100-yard receiving game. I don't think he has a game over 90 receiving yards. So, And they got Rondell Moore. And AJ Green, they they now have a receiving core that they can pass around the ball to. It's not just going to be feed DeAndre Hopkins every single game. And Cliff Kingsbury knows this, so D House value is going down, and that's just trying what I'm trying to highlight here. It's going down. Um, my next sell is going to be T Higgins. Now I know T Higgins is 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 fancy Twitter's like darling. Like he really is. Um, I think it's time to come to terms that he's not the number one uh, for the Bengals anymore. 
he's not. Uh, and he's been disappointing. And, and, and people want to say the targets are still there. They are. Not this past week, but I get it. He had a game of 15 targets. His last four games are three, which was bad. Eight, six, and 15 targets. Again, zero 100 yards receiving games. He has one game of 97 receiving yards. Um, but he's not the stuff you want, want him to be. He's PPR wide receiver 47 on the year. And people, I think, are still valuing him as a potential wide receiver too. Um, not that I don't think he can get that. It's just that it's very clear that Jamar Chase is the top dog there. He is the top dog there. Like you can't debate that. And he's going to be Joe Joe Burrow's first read. And I'm 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 sure T Higgins will have some nice weeks here. I'm just saying that I think he might sink you too. So if you can get him for a really nice price, I wouldn't sell him for less than a first. I'm not. He's not. He's not terrible. I'm not getting rid of him for like less than a first. But. Um, there are some truthers out there that really believe that he's still going to be like a top, a top 24 guy out there. And I just think that that's a really hard sell for me. I, I don't think T Higgins is a top 24 guy the rest of his career. Not that I don't think it can happen. I would just bet against it rather than for it. I would rather play the field that he doesn't get that. Uh, let me see. Now my last dynasty sell for you guys. It's Cortland Sutton, who I mentioned earlier. Um, since Jerry Judy has been back, he is averaging three targets per game. Three. You heard that right, folks. Three. So his last four games are five, four, two, and three. Now that fifth, not sorry, that five game he Jerry Judy wasn't around for, but his last three games were four, two, and three. Um, and he's an alpha wide receiver, and he's getting outperformed by Tim Patrick. He's been getting outperformed him Patrick all year. Um, he's had some big games. He's not somebody that I would feel confident starting in my lineups unless there's an injury to Jerry Judy or Tim Patrick. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it would have to be one of those two. And 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 Noah, Noah Fan is kind of a bust in my mind. So I guess he might have to add him to the sell list too. I don't really feel like I have to explain reasons why Noah Fan should be a sell because he just hasn't done anything for two years straight now. Not living up to the name, and there's too much talent on that team for him to all of a sudden break out. It's just like why would they not pass to Jerry Judy? Jerry Judy's been doing it all. Anyway, Cortland Sutton re-signed to a team. It's one of those things where there's just a lot of really talented players to eat from the pie. It's PPR wide receiver 32 on the year. If you take out his two big, well, his he's got three games of 27.9, 28, and then 23.4. If you take those out, his highest scoring game is 11.8. 11.8. Like that's a big drop off. That's a boomer bust player, and that player is going to win you some weeks and he's going to lose you some weeks. And I don't really like those guys. And I'd rather cash in on the future. So if I can get like a first form, a first plus, I'm probably selling. I think I'm ready to sell. I'd rather get somebody that has a a better situation, uh, an a, a a prospect talent that I really believe in, and that's that's where I'm going to go with that. So, yeah. Corlin Sutton, sell him if you can. Don't sell these guys for cheap. I'm not telling you guys to get out now. Well, I, I said that for one guy, but I'm, I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying give these guys away for free. I just want you guys to get the peak value while you can before it's too late. And, and if they're an integral part of your of your playoff team, like you need these guys for your playoff team, or you you need them for depth, absolutely keep them. This advice is more for those middle of the road teams, those building teams that that need to make those moves 
um, go go ahead and do that. But if you're you're a contender, then yeah, like don't don't sell these guys that are are probably going to be studs for the rest of the year. And then you know try to make those offseason moves. You know work, work your used car salesman magic and try to get that get them off your roster. But yeah, that's that's my sell list here. Now let me talk about Ramondre Stevenson because I think Jake would really love me to sit talk about Ramondre Stevenson. <clears throat> um. In the offseason, Jake called Ramondre a league winner, um, which I thought was wild. I still don't stand by it because, one, I'm a Patriots fan, so I, I know how it goes. We're a running back by committee team, and we have Sony Michelle. We had Damian Harris. We have James White. We have Ramondre Stevenson. Like, you're telling me all these four guys, one of them's going to win you a league? Well, Sony Michelle, he got traded. Okay, then you got James White, who's hurt. He's gone for the year, and he's done after this year because his contract is up. And then you have just Damian Harris and then Ramondre Stevenson. And then whenever Damian Harris gets hurt, Ramondre Stevenson absolutely went off for 30.4 fantasy points, 20 carries for 100 yards, two touchdowns, four receptions for 14 yards. That's insane. And he's absolutely proven he can be a workhorse running back. And now a lot of people missed on him last year because, one, he's a fourth-round running back, which I preach not to pick up those guys. Um, but uh, he weighed 240 pounds in, in college, and he shed 15 of those pounds for the combine. So there's a little bit of worry about, oh, like he shed the weight. Like that's what we want to see, and, and he did really well. I, I really like those big boy running backs that like do well in college, and then they shed the weight, you know? Because Ramondre, I think, was averaging, I think, somewhere between five and six yards per carry at his 240-pound weight. And so losing that extra 15 pounds that you can move. So anyway, I want to give a shout out to Jake for that because not exactly a weak winner, but he's he's getting there. If Damian Harris gets hurt these next like two or three games, then yeah, Ramondre Stevenson is an absolute weak winner. And we might have to talk about weak winners next week. That'd probably be a good topic. So, and I also want to point out um, a trend here with Ramondre. So Ramondre saw his three highest carries these past couple weeks with 10, 20, and 12. Um, his snap share is 27, 55, and 34. That's his last three weeks. Now, Damian Harris, his last three weeks have been 39, and then he was hurt, and then 39 again. Now, here's the thing. Damian Harris is a starting running back there, right? Bill Belichick's not a very big guy on playing rookie players. Damian Harris had a concussion. It's not a muscle injury. He's not... Um, He's not, uh, you know, he's, he's not hurt besides like a concussion. So when they would come back from a concussion, I assume they're like a full go, you know, like their body should be operating the fine, their brain should be fine. And Ramondre Stevenson got on the field with him 34% of the snaps. This is the most snaps he's gotten in and the most touches he's gotten in while Damian Harris was also on the field and active. So, and it's all the same amount of targets. I mean, Brandon Bolden is probably the pass catching back there. Anyway, moving forward, it's something to watch. You need to watch Ramondre Stevenson. Um, I'm not telling you to go out there and trade for him because, again, it's a it's a committee there. Uh, it's it's a one year play for me because um, the Patriots are constantly rolling out guys. It's something to keep an eye on. And if you drafted Ramondre Stevenson in your rookie drafts, you probably drafted him. Let's say in the mid third. I think that's where Jake took him in my draft for our home dynasty league. And I, I think for the the near and far future, I think Ramondre Stevenson is worth a third. He's proven he can be a workhorse when, when the main guy goes down. So 
So he's proven to be a handcuff. So I, I think his value is solidified. If you want to cash in and try to sell him for a second and someone in the league might do that, I think that's fine. Um, but I'm just trying to give you a pat on the back saying that you made a good pick. This player is going to hold his value. And I love that. Now these other late round running backs for rookie picks, um, Chuba Hubbard, he's not getting any more touches now that CMC's back. Khalil Herbert, no more touches while seeing, while uh, Montgomery's back. And those two guys look pretty pretty serviceable. And then Tyson Williams, who was an underrated free agent, had like one, two games of relevancy at the start. So, yeah, please, please don't touch these fourth-round running backs, these, these running backs that go late in drafts. I, I don't think they're worth it. I don't think they're worth the high draft capital. I'm not. There's a personal rule of mine. It's a policy. I think it's a policy for J2 is that we do not trade second round draft picks for handcuffed running backs ever, ever, because they're, they're too, they're too bursty that they, they'll, they'll rip off three games of relevancy and then disappear. And, and I think a second round draft capital for single quarterback, well, actually for super flex, even, uh, it's too valuable. You just can't do that. Um, Man, I, I one more thing to say, and it just escaped me. Just escaped me. Okay. Moving forward. Um, that's really it from. Oh, nope. I remember now. My last sell. My last sell I really want to talk about is Michael Carter because he's getting a lot of hype lately because he's looking kind of decent. But Mike, but like Mike White, he just dumps it off to him like that nine target game, right? It's because of these little dump off passes that Mike White gives him all the time. Sell, sell Michael Carter, like sell him, like sell him. Like his his last his last game for for snap count was twenty eight. You know, I he he's a fourth round running back, and 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 you have you have to realize that these running backs that get drafted, there's certain guys that are a one to two year window for relevancy. That's a Michael Carter. You have the guys that are are two to three year re- relevant players. That's kind of like a James Conner, I guess, because because Travis Etienne is there. Travis Etienne is going to eat into it. Um. And then you have the guys that have like maybe that three to four year window. And that's your, that's your James, that's your, sorry, your Jonathan Taylor, your, your DeAndre Swift. And, and it can go farther than that. Like Alan Kamara is like a five to seven year type of starter. Anyway, you have to like put these guys in windows of relevancy and try to sell them in those windows of relevancy. I think Michael Carter is a one to two year window guy. Um, the Michael P. Ryan, he was a fourth round running back last year. This year, they drafted Michael Carter, fourth-round running back. A running game would really help that Jets offense because they'd have a, a more lethal threat through the middle because Michael Carter is just like Miles Gaskin. They're very similar in size. They they need the holes to open up. They're not going to push a pile. Um, sure, they're, they're great for PPR, sure. But these guys won't win you championships. Like that, That's my point. They won't win championships. Like stop a spot start, sure. But if if you can cash in high on them while you can, I, then do that. I mean, you probably drafted Carter in the second, maybe the early second. You really believed in him, um, and he's PPR RB number eighteen. S- sell, sell him for a first if you can. Sell him for a twenty-four first if he's not really relevant for your roster. He's just he's just kind of like you know a guy you put in once in a while. Sell him for that future draft cap because like two years later you're like. Oh man, a guy I sold Michael Carter to. He's he's third and he's like third to last in the league, and now I have a top three pick. And all he did was sell a guy that was relevant for a year or two. And a and a back end RB2. Oh, he's a mid he's a mid-end RB2 this year, okay. But I, I really don't think that holds up. And it really shouldn't. Unless unless Zach Wilson learns how to dump it off and stop looking for those long bombs. 
to to a a Corey Davis doesn't know how to separate or jump for a ball. So that's my last sale is Michael Carter. Moving forward, um, I'm going to talk to you guys about my Debbie Friday preview here. So this is the end of the episode. Now, Friday, I talk about college players. We're really rolling up on in the season. You really need to get to know if, if you're a rebuilding team or not by now. Um, maybe you're still in it. Like That's cool. If you have seven losses, you're definitely out. Like Stop. You're not going to make it. But um, we're going to talk about, one, the Senior Bowl, the relevance of why it's important to be in the Senior Bowl, and then two, I'm going to show you guys some trends of players outside the senior bowl, right? How some really hidden talents have come forward and come out of the senior bowl. Um, and then he doesn't know it yet, but I'm really going to try to get um, Austin from Campus to Can, one of the founding fathers of Campus to Can. I want him to get him out because I want him to explain his new model that he's looking forward to and stuff like that. And then I hope to get, well, I'm getting a little too far in the future. So we'll just stop it. I want Austin on here. Because I want him to tell you guys his new process for um, pointing out duds after their freshman season. So anyway, that wraps it up. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. And once again, we're sorry for that long break. Um, just in a transitional period here, you, you know how how it is in your your mid twenties. You're 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 hustling. You're you're really trying to figure things out. Um, Jake's going to be back next week. I hope. But yeah, I miss my partner. And I can't wait to talk to you guys Friday about the Reese Senior Bowl, the process, the importance of it. Hopefully get Austin out here to explain some prospects he likes, but also his his recent um his recent uh like work. And yeah. Thank you again guys for tuning in. This is Dynasty Kings. Have a good night.